Welcome to Nerds of the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. And I'm Dwayne. I'm Jamie. Nah, I'm Sammy. All right, we're still doing a jacked up intro thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, that means this is my pick this week, and uh, what a pick it is. 2016, a little movie came out uh, by director Denae Villeneuve, starring Lois Lane and Hawkeye. Uh, Arrival, Um, Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner, Forrest Whitaker, a whole lot of other people, and some heptapods. Yes. (laughs) Um, Guys, I don't even know where to start with this movie. This is uh, almost one of these modern sci-fi classics already, I think, to a lot of people. So before we get into Arrival, let's get into Keeping It 100. It's time to keep it 100. 100. 100. 100. All right, I'm not going to start my timer. Um, this one's going to be easy. Um, I'm pitching 1917. Um, it's an interesting movie. Uh, it's, I love that it's a World War One movie because we get a lot of World War Two movies. Don't get a lot of World War One movies. Um, it, it's, it's a really tense movie, like from the word go. Like you're kind of on the edge of your seat. Stomach clenched, you know, kind of deal. Um, they did a better job getting you uh, involved with the personal stakes than I expected. Um, it's not just this big over-the-top war movie. You really care about you know, the couple of characters you get to know. Um, there is one complaint I have. Because the whole, the whole it's, a, it's, a, it's a gimmick movie in a little bit. Because the whole thing is supposed to look like one take. The entire movie. Two mm-hmm. hours of one take. Mm-hmm. It's not possible. There have to be cuts. And so I, sp- I spent like half the time watching the movie like, there's the cut. Like they go, they go like, they pass, they run behind a wall. I'm like, that was a cut. So I spent like <laughs> half the movie like trying to find where the cuts were, you know? Right. So, so the, uh, finding the cuts was a little distracting. Um, but it's a really good movie. It's well performed. Um, it's Sam Mendes doing a not, not a Bond movie. I'm just, I'm glad he's doing <laughs> other stuff. He's such a good director. 1917 is a blast. Uh, yeah. Highly recommended. I've, I've heard good things. I've always wondered how that one shot would go mm-hmm. like for a two-hour movie. And I, I was like, this is, like you said, it's, it's impossible. I wish they hadn't have played that up so much because I think it could be a better movie to people. But I think, like you said, you're, you're, what, you're waiting for, okay, where do they try to trick me here? Yeah. You know, you're waiting for that. Yeah. Waiting for that pull. Yeah, See, that they, they tried to do that in Birdman with Michael Keaton mm-hmm. also. It has that supposedly one shot the entire time. You know, and so I had seen that. And when I saw 1917, it was like, okay, how do you deal with a war movie? You know, and, and so it, it they did a good job with it, though. It, it's, it's, it's an epic, for sure. There's a couple of long stretches where I know there had to be cuts, and I couldn't quite spot where the cuts were. Mm-hmm. So they're pretty clever about it. There's a couple of obvious ones. All right. But they're, they're pretty clever about it. But it is, I mean, it's a good movie, even though it's a gimmick movie. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, I'm up next. I uh, am continuing with my keeping it uh, kind of topical to the episode we're reviewing. And uh, let me start my timer here because I want to see if I can do this. Okay. My keeping on her this week is... Paul Simon. Yes, Paul Simon of Simon and Garfunkel. Uh, I want to take a look at his solo career, though. And talking about this, you know, arrival, What it's, it's a movie about time and how time is nonlinear. It can be perceived in different things. You know, he had such great hits as 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover, you know. Uh, you know, You Can Call Me Al. Me and Julio down by the schoolyard. You know, she loves me like a rock. All of these great, great songs. Graceland, Slip Sliding Away. But if you talk about me and Julio down by the schoolyard, this is where it gets topical. Because I think it's one of the last verses. He really has almost a, an Amy Adams adventure here with his time confusion. Because in the same verse, they're getting ready to send him away. See, his, his, in a couple of days, they're going to send me away. But the press let the story leak. Now, when the radical priest got the news, we were all on the cover of Newsweek. So in a few days, they're going to release him. But then the radical priest gets the news. But he's already on the cover of Newsweek. 
when he's going to be released in a couple of days. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's genius writing here. Uh, you know, and, and it, you know, so many years ahead of Denis Villeneuve with this time confusion uh, mm-hmm. situation. But no, I, I love Paul Simon. He's just a great artist. I just figured I'd try to have some fun with this. So that's my keeping 100. I like it. I, like it. <laughs> I thought you were going Time in a Bottle, but that's like a different singer-songwriter yeah, guy. Yeah, it's uh, Jim, Jim Crochet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but I, don't, time, I don't know things. Sorry. <laughs> I always think, was it Chevy Chase that was in the video for Chevy Call, Chase me Call Me Out? That's what yeah. I was thinking. Yeah. So that's, that, that's always, anytime I hear Paul, Call Me Out, that's what pops into my head. It's Chevy Chase. Yeah. <laughs> was that the last time he was likable? <laughs> <laughs> we know you have National Lampoon allergies, okay? <laughs> I think a lot of people have Chevy Chase allergies, <laughs> mostly people who work with him. <laughs> All right, old chums. I guess it's time for my keeping it 100. Um, Now, as many of you know, I'm a huge Blue Beetle fan. But you know, Beetle isn't the only uh, blue insect superhero out there. We also have The Tick. Yes, I've finally gotten around to watching the Amazon Prime series based on the characters created by Ben Edlund. Um, The Tick is the perfect mix of so many comic book concepts... But it's the way the show is set up that makes it great. Um, Peter Serafinowicz brings his best Adam West mm-hmm. to this very grounded cast. Um, the world is so normal with the exception of these heroes and villains. And, and it makes for an interesting dynamic. You add Griffin Newman as the reluctant hero Arthur Everest and Jackie Earl Haley as the villainous The Terror. And it's just such a fun mix of comic book tropes and humor. And that's why Amazon's The Tick is my Keeping It 100. Yeah, that show is a ton of fun. I haven't I haven't watched a lot of it, but what I did watch, uh, Serafinowicz does, you know, Adam West it up completely. Yes, he's like, all right, Arthur. You know, it, it's that kind of, of tongue-in-cheek, campy type of yeah, style. You got, yeah, you got the cops getting coffee, you know, at the crime scene, and, and here he comes. You know what I'm saying? I've never got. I'm. I'm bad. We've established. I'm bad at TV. So I've never. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched the second season yet, but I had a blast with the first. Right. Yeah, I've almost finished the first season. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a ton of fun. Well, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, members of the press, arrival, 2016, opening thoughts and grades. I'm going first. A plus. A plus. Um. This movie has so many elements. It has the narration. It has the relationships. It has the epicness. But it really just boils down to three, four characters. Really, uh, you know. Amy Adams, uh, the daughter Hannah, Jeremy Renner, Forrest Whitaker, and the heptapods really carry this whole movie. And you really feel like the world is on edge you know when when these spaceships arrive you know across the the globe different random places and i love how they're trying to figure out uh, during uh jeremy Renner, renner's uh monologue uh, for the uh kind of like the montage explaining everything he says you know the only thing we can figure out is you know and he's you know low occurrences of lightning strike but not everywhere you know, this and that and other thing. And Olivia Newton-John had a hit in the 80s in, in each one of these countries, you know. <laughs> it's just like, you know, what is the rhyme or reason? What are these things? And, you know, how they go about figuring, how they go about learning to communicate, how each country you find out is communicating with with different ways, you know, uh, using math, uh, you know, high math concepts, using games, um, and then, you know, using just pure language as, as Amy Adams is doing. It's very, very interesting. Very uh, great take. Um, I know we were talking earlier about this being a slow burn movie. And, you know, you really get the burn because it's intense, but it's slow. You know, it's, it makes you think, and, and it drags each of these situations out so masterfully. But I, I just love it. Awesome. I think it's cool, too. Like, um, a lot of times, like, things with like a sci-fi mystery thing in it mm-hmm. don't always tie it very well. Like once the big reveal happens, you're like, oh, that's all? Or like, that's not enough. You didn't explain it very well. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think the way this thing unravels itself by the end really 
pays off well. And I'm jumping yeah. again. I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> Not a problem. If you, if you want to go ahead, just just go ahead. Just sure. Um, uh, a plus for me too. Um, I love this flick. Um, the sci-fi conceit is not, it's, it's, it's brilliant and it's executed very well. Uh, performances are top notch and I'm a sucker for a movie that's got such a unique mood that really sets a mood for the whole movie. It has its yeah. own sort of unique feel and really pulls you in through it. And this movie does that masterfully. Yeah. It has a very unique tone, you know, I know you're talking about the mood and I was trying to, trying to find the right word too, but yeah, I think tone is, is the one we're looking for, uh, you know, from the atmosphere to the tension, to the relationships, to the uh, narration and the flashes of future and past, you know, coming. It's really a unique tone. Yeah. You know, what, what's interesting with this movie is I was really late to the party on this. It was not on my radar at all. Um, I ended up renting this one from Redbox. So didn't even realize anything in the theater. I think I got it. There was a, a number of sci-fi movies that dropped right around this time. And I think a lot of them I started getting kind of mixed up on. Okay. Um, automatically, I was categorizing this with most of the typical first contact movies. Uh, the David Earl Sid Steel, War of the Worlds. Uh, there are definitely pieces of that here, but there's the twist. You know, we're getting into Einstein's theories of nonlinear time, and that's really what they're messing around with here. That idea of time is a fluid medium instead of a continuum from, you know, point A to point B. Uh, and I love the fact that they're playing this. So I was hooked. Um, Basically, the only thing I can pull back on this is it wasn't on my shelf, but thank you, Amazon. I have fixed that already. <laughs> All right. So I have a nice steel book coming in uh, next week. So I can put this on my shelf and watch it as much as I want because this is an A-plus movie, gentlemen. Yeah. Ah, it's another ring of honor. Yes. Yeah. I, I figured uh, after uh, listening to uh, our initial thoughts uh, while we were talking about this, you know, it, 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 I figured it would wind up pretty high, but uh, well, you're talking about rewatching it a bunch, though. I can't rewatch this movie a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I cry too hard at the end. <laughs> and the room gets way too dusty. It's, it's, it's pretty intense. Yeah, it's, it's pretty intense at the end. You know, and I love how she is as as her narration goes. She's you know she's talking. She says, "Well, this is the beginning of your story. This is the middle of your story. This is the end of your story. You know, this defines you. This it's, makes you. You know." This, you know, and explaining that the name goes forward and backwards. You know, Hannah being the same forward and backwards. Uh, Palindrome? Palindrome. Yeah, okay. Um, thanks for the big word, Sammy. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, but this one gets me, man. I'm, I'm crying so hard at the end. Like, my main card's getting demerits. So. <laughs> <laughs> Men can cry too, man. Come yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I know I know one of our awards later is about getting kicked in the feels, and I think this oh, movie yeah. really, really, uh, you know, it, it not only kicks you there a couple times, I mean, it just really just gets you down and wallows it. <laughs> but, you know, guys, I think we got another section of the show coming up. You know, a lot of those modular buildings from the uh, military are air pressure-based. I don't know if you guys know this, but you can take a big fan and stick it in these you know, vinyl domes and, and blow it right up. So let's go get our fan for this movie and blow it right up. So here we go. All right. I think I broke Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting desperate. Hey, you, you know, there's only so many ways you can go with a there's fan, a, right? Yeah, I mean, come on. Yeah. All right. But I guess I'm leading off this fan section. Um, you know, I think science fiction can take a lot of different forms in terms of movies. And I think you've got two basic categories. You've got Hollywood science fiction and you've got true science fiction. Mm. Uh, there's nothing wrong with the Hollywood version. You know, I love the big blockbuster types of movies, but true science fiction should always make you think. Good SF holds a mirror up to society, and sometimes it's an unpleasant reflection about the true nature of humans, and I think Arrival does that. I think it leaves you thinking. It leaves you looking at your own self. So to me, this is true science fiction at its best. 
um, from the reaction of the world governments to this driving theme. You know, we see humanity at its best and its worst in Arrival. And I think that's what makes it so powerful. Yeah, I, I think that I've never thought of the Hollywood. Thing, but the way I think about that is there's like action sci-fi mm-hmm. and like smart sci-fi. And so you've got like, you know, Star Wars. The science fiction is just the setting. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it, it's action adventure. Right. Um, but like stuff like Arrival, that's, that's smart stuff. It makes you think. There's like thematic stuff in there that's yeah. more, more thought-provoking. But, so my, <laughs> my fan's a weird one for a movie that's, that's, uh, that's thematically deep. Um, so you remember how in Firefly that they saved money by borrowing all of the, the wardrobe <laughs> from Starship Troopers? <laughs> right. And they just recycle a bunch of stuff. Well, you'll see a lot of times in sci-fi, like the robots will look like robots from this other thing. Or like um, the spaceships will like, you know, that kind of looks like, you know, the thing from the, that was like a decade ago mm-hmm. or whatever. There's all like, you know, borrowed things. I don't think there's any of that in this movie. Um, this movie has a very unique look about it. Like the alien ships, um, they look like, what, stones? Mm-hmm. You know, that are all, that, that aren't symmetrical. They're weirdly shaped and they're standing on the end, like feet off the ground. I mean, it's, everything looks unique. Um, the the communication methods are unique. I've never seen anything like that. Um, the the hip, hip pods themselves, I mean, are very unique looking aliens. I mean, yeah. this is a I mean, this movie is visually very distinct yeah. and memorable. Um, but <laughs> it's also got kind of that Zack Snyder, you know, desaturation desaturation of the color mm-hmm. thing going on. So it's, it's just a very unique looking movie, and I, I love that about it. So that, that's my, my fan. It's, that's not the biggest thing going on here, but it just really makes it stand out. It's just a very unique looking movie. Well, you know, you, you mentioned the idea of, of the heptopods, you know, because most of the time in sci-fi, we still get bipedal aliens. We've got bumps on the foreheads, though. Yeah, but, you know, this is very different. This is its own thing. It, it's a much more unique take, I think, on this, on the, the idea of, you know, this life. Yeah, you initially think of them as maybe like a squid or octopi type mm-hmm. of, of being. And then when you really see, you know, at, at, toward the end of the movie, when she has her encounter there with, uh, with uh, Costello, uh, you know, you see, oh, this is, is it a fruit? Is it a vegetable? Is it a mineral? You know, what is this mm-hmm. thing? You know, it's uh, so massive. And, you know, I love the way they're described as with their communication. It's like, there's no forward, there's no backwards, there's no up and down with them. You know, really, they can be so three dimensional, and you know, it's it's the same thing with their thinking, the way they communicate. Um, you know, with uh, when they spray out, and that's and this and that's the mind what I come into. You know, is, is the inventive way that they use communication. You know, what does a word mean to you? You know, is a weapon a tool? How do you, how you use it is the true meaning of the word. Why are you here? You know, do they even, is it a hive mind? Are they, you know, just coming for vacation? Are they coming for a, you know, cultural thing for their race? Uh, You know, the breaking down of the essence of, you know, intent and thought and understanding really, you know, made me think. And then how they make that nonlinear, they make that circular. Um, you know, almost uh, infinite. You know, almost like you know the infinity circle. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just there's 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 everything's happening all the time. You know, I think that's a it's a song from someone. You know, every, everything all the time. Um, yeah, everything is all the time. I'll, I'll get there in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think it was my rabbit trails. But uh, yeah, it's so inventive the way that that they broke that down, and then the the blending of her visions, uh, her remembrances. And then when you realize truly what's happening, you know, when she tells Jeremy Renner at one point, she says, oh, I just remembered why my husband left me. Well, then you find out later that that's him mm-hmm. and it hasn't happened yet, you know, and, and she remembers these things and she's experiencing the, the love and loss and the heartbreak and the great things and, how that comes back to the language and the, and the understanding of intent and, and purpose. Well, that makes for a, a kind of a sixth sense 
really good if you can dry all the tears off your face. A, a fast second watch. Right. Because mm-hmm. once you realize what's going on, you go back in for that second watch, you're watching to see how it and played you see out. How it plays yeah. Out. yeah. You can see how it kind of spirals. Yeah. Yeah. This is a very, you know, like you said, a, a fast second watch. This is a very rewatchable movie. And especially like, you know, if you watch it a couple times, you know, relatively close and then give it a little bit of, give it a little bit of space, you know, mm-hmm. give it a little bit of time and then, then you can revisit it again. It's so beautiful, you know, and as you're, as you're understanding it and things are re-revealed to you, you know, it's, it's really, really neat. You know, you were talking about rabbit trails when you were describing animal, vegetable, mineral, mineral yeah. my mind goes to the Doom Patrol villain, animal, vegetable, mineral man. So, <laughs> <laughs> As soon as you said it, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So we were getting deep there. I, we, we needed to uh, break that tension. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, if, if there's one thing, we are not, uh, we are definitely not serious. We're very silly uh, most of the time. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this, this, but this is a movie that really uh, has some weight and it really, yeah, definitely. you know, has some, some themes, some, some, some thinking there. But, you know, one thing this isn't, you know, it's not a popcorn movie, but we, we need some pans anyway. Jamie? Um, I don't have a lot, but there's, a, there's like two instances that I get a little annoyed because everything in this movie is thought through from the top of every single thought's head down to its toenails, except for two times that annoy me. Um, when Amy Adams wakes up after the um, thing where like they throw after the bomb, the, like they're throwing up like mm-hmm. tons and tons of the little signs. Okay, yeah. And Jimmy goes, "Yeah, I figured it out. It clicked." I'm like, "How? How did that just click? You're not the smart one. She's the smart one." <laughs> um, he doesn't really explain it. Like he, he he kind of explains it, but it's, it doesn't feel like it's as well thought out like how they're explaining it as the rest of the movie. Now, was he the one that figured it out? I thought that she figured it out. I thought he what? had an idea and she followed it through. Yeah, but he's the, like, well, it's these empty spaces. It's, the, it's this oh, one repeated right. thing. And he's like, like, I figured it out. I'm like, yeah, I don't think you're figuring this stuff out. Amy Adams is figuring this stuff out. And the way they kind of, it felt like kind of a pat answer so that they could make it work for the story. I'm like, I don't yeah. buy that one. And this is the quick explanation of why Amy Adams is like starting to understand stuff, start to have these things because like, well, they, you, they say if you learn a foreign language, it can rewire your brain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's it? <laughs> That's how you're explaining this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've often heard that, you know, that when you when you learn a foreign language, you really don't get it until you start dreaming in that language. And I know and I know that's mentioned a time in this movie. He's he says, Are you dreaming in their language yet? Yeah, but I mean like but they say like, it just rewires the brain. Suddenly she's experiencing time differently. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like that's a pretty big <laughs> jump, you know. Right. Um, so that one's like a couple of times I'm just like scratching and going like I don't know that you put enough time into the script on that one. I felt like that could have been explained better. But okay. that's all I've got though. Two well, two little times I'm like scratching my head. I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that. That's well, all I, that's all I've got. Well really you've you've opened up my pen because I was really gonna not have one because you know, this is just such a great movie it's so emotionally and and uh, mentally engaging but you 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 opened my mind to something there that that i've wondered and and i just thought about as you were talking about you know with with her perception of time she seemed like a very troubled woman from the beginning you know when you see her teaching class you see her in her home she's talking to her mom you know before she's called out to the alien location and uh you get the sense that she's battled with some stuff before, you know, uh, depression, anxiety, uh, you know, feelings of loss, uh, you know, whatever that you would experience after the loss of a child and the, in the dissolution of a marriage. But is her time perception even affecting her then? Um, you know, it's it's kind of like she's already halfway there, mm-hmm. um, even at the beginning of the movie. And it's not really well explained, but it seems like she's already kind of partway there. But then, as, like you said, the rewiring of the brain through the language, through the learning of the language, that's that's something there. It's, it's, a, little, it's a little hole in the... In the well, well, they could have explained it by saying they just tied it to Hannah. Yeah. Except at the very end of the movie, they also tie it to General Chang. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, right. then why not everything else? You know, so there mm-hmm. there is those little things like you know could have been 
explained a little better. But it, it's just it's just a handful of things that do not ruin my enjoyment of the movie whatsoever. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it really, really kind of minor, but you know, when you when you analyze it that way, it really, uh, it really brought that to light. I knew it was there, and I knew it kind of bothered me, but it wasn't, you know, a, a thing. Yeah, it does. I mean, it does. It goes. It's so far from ruining the movie, though, that it's like it doesn't even ruin like a second of enjoyment for me. It's just a couple times I'm like, you know, yeah, it just mm. becomes a head scratcher maybe for a yeah. second, right? Yeah. And then, then I'm right back in the movie, and it's fine, right? Okay, you know, and. I guess I'm similar with you guys. I really don't have a major pan for this movie. Um, a lot of times with a movie like this, one that I, I feel strongly about that, that I just put at the top tier. Sometimes I try to, I guess, flip my, the role for me and, and go to more of the general audience. I think sometimes this movie is overlooked because it's not one of those typical action science fiction movies. Um, you know, there's there's no spaceships and laser fights. You know, the aliens aren't really the antagonist. You know, there's a reason aliens are one of the big three, right? Is because that's what we typically see. And so we get that idea of, of the humanity side. But I think sometimes as an audience member, a movie like this can sometimes can go under your radar mm -hmm. because it's not those blockbuster type of things. So even though I liked it, I can see the, try, try to see the other side of that coin also. Well, it's not a crowd pleaser. Yeah. I mean, this is not a fun movie. Um, and I, I, it, you kind of feel like they had that big explosion in there just to have something exciting happen. <laughs> <Right>. I mean, <laughs> well, I, think I, mean, I, I love the movie. I think it's a great movie, but it's not a fun movie. Yeah. Right. Well, no, I think that's very uh, relevant to the story. And, you know, going with your statement, it's not a crowd pleasing movie. I, I looked at this on IMDb. This is... 7.9 out of 10 stars. Mm -hmm. You have an 81 meta score out of 100. Rotten Tomatoes, it's 94% wow. fresh. Hmm. I mean, this is a well-received movie, but I guess what, what you're saying there is, like I said, it's not a popcorn movie. It's yeah. not what you right. go to for the flash bang. Ooh, look how pretty, you know, even though it's a beautiful movie, filmed, sound, everything. Um, you know, but it's not one of these ones that leaves you dazzled in a way that you've had, you know, explosions for an hour and a half on screen, you know, and, you know, beautiful people the other half hour, you know, you have, um, you know, Amy Adams, very attractive lady, Jeremy Renner, attractive man, Forrest Whitaker, he's got his own thing going on, um, <laughs> but, you know, they, it's really a character piece, uh, you know. It's really a character piece, and it really is showcases the uh, the chops that that these actors have. Yeah, but this is not a movie you're just throwing in the background while you're folding laundry, though. Oh no, no. I mean, you're putting right. Guardians on or something like that. Yeah, you're not watching this. Yeah, this yeah. this isn't a passive watch. Yeah, no, not a bit. Yeah, 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 this isn't a, a, a passive watch. Well, speaking of you know these powerhouses of actors, let's give these guys some awards. Uh, <laughs> with best performance guys there's you know it's it's kind of a small cast as far as focused people goes but i really think amy adams carries this movie and that's who i'm giving best performance to sometimes is she overacting i think a bit sometimes is she kind of dazed i think a bit but she really has what this movie you know the scenes she, she she's in she has what they need and uh i mean She's acting her pants off. You know, she's not a Lois Lane. You know, she's not just a side character. And I'm, and I'm saying a Lois Lane. About the only thing I've seen Lois Lane in was Batman v Superman. I've I've not seen anything. Right. So, I mean, I'm just judging that small piece there. But I mean, she's a great actress, and this really showcases it. Well, I I mean, I agree with you. I mean, she if she doesn't work, the movie doesn't work. You know, really, she is doing the heavy lifting mm -hmm. in the movie. Um, you know, it's, she plays that type of character that, that you can empathize with, 
You know, and I think that's the most important part. She brings this character to life. She's this strong, intelligent woman who who has had, you know, even knowing the outcome, refuses to miss those moments she's going to share with her daughter. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's just so powerful and telling about the character. And Amy Adams brings that character to life. Yeah, I'm on the same page. The um, the core cast are all really good. Um Renner's doing a slightly different thing than he usually does here, mm-hmm. and he's really mm-hmm. good at it. Um, Forrest Whitaker, I think, is doing a Boston accent. Some kind of New England accent, it sounds like. Something, yeah. Yeah, it's good, though. It works. Yeah, he's, he's got it. Um, it's, it's distinctly not the normal Forrest Whitaker thing. Right. And I, I think it really works. But Amy Adams steals the show. Um, this is her movie. Every scene she's in, uh, she steals. Well, she's not stealing. She just owns the movie. Oh, yeah. Um, but she wasn't acting her pants off, though. She was acting her hazmat suit off. Yes. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you glad you drew that distinction here. Uh, I, I do want to bring a little bit of a, a lot to Forrest Whitaker. I love the X-ray that's available on uh, on Amazon. I know Sammy had plugged Amazon uh, earlier, but uh, but on the Prime Video, you can look at trivia. You know uh, that has the movie comes on. Forrest Whitaker plays an, a military person here who's going around gathering specialists for a first contact situation. Well, in the movie Contact, he played one of those specialists that was drawn into a first contact scenario. Mm-hmm. So. I thought he did, he did. He had an interesting role to play in this movie. I, I still think Amy Adams is absolutely the right answer, yeah. but like being the military guy who's the liaison between right. the, the nerds and the and the brass, and he kind of he's kind of doing both perspectives, and that's he did a really good job at that. Really mm-hmm. good job. Yeah. Really good job. Yeah. Agreed. All right. So, gentlemen, I believe that brings us to best scene, and I'll be leading off there. Um, you know, once again, this this movie is a slow burn. We've said that. And but there and there's not really huge dramatic scenes that just just, you know, kind of get you on the edge of your seat. But the dialogue creates great scenes. And my best scene is the first meeting of Louise and Ian automatically we get these two kind of factions of science. You know, we get Ian with his first thoughts is to question them about their scientific acumen to deduce their capabilities. And then you get Louise that's just like, how about we just talk to them first? You get the linguistic side of science. And so I love it. And so automatically it kind of sets these two characters with their own kind of zero-sum game, really, you know, it's their own win-win, even in this early relationship. Yeah, I went the opposite direction. I went with okay. the the one big exciting moment. <laughs> <laughs> Boom! But, yeah, but the, the, but the scene, the scene with the explosion has that timer going on, and yes. something about a timer in a movie just ratchets up the tension. <laughs> and seeing those red numbers on there, and plus the um, the score really, yeah, kind of shifts gears in that scene and it makes it so tense and you the, especially on the first watch you don't know what the aliens are going to do mm-hmm. you don't know how they get out of the situation because you know you're, I mean you're looking at your watch this movie's got at least 30 minutes left <laughs> this is the end of the movie what's mm-hmm. going to happen um, who's going to get hurt because this is the kind of movie where somebody could die I could, yeah. I could have seen Ian getting killed in that scene um, because they're both interacting with the aliens only she's getting the the flashbacks and stuff. She's only one getting dislocated from time, so like maybe it's because Ian doesn't make it out of the ship, you know. <laughs> um, but and then they go crazy, putting up all the symbols. And it's just a really exciting, probably right. the the tensest moment yeah. in the movie. I agree, so. you know, and and I do because I mean it's it's almost this very confined scene, and then you've got explosions, you know, th- this explosive device. So, and then you hear the gunfire outside of the ship. And so there's a lot going on in that yeah. scene. And, and, it, and it, is, it is a tense scene. Mm. Well, I, I've got one, but I really don't know if I want to bring it to something else. Because you're talking about the relationship with the daughter, Hannah, and how her time dilation, how her disconnectedness with time is is allowing her to, you know, flash into and, you know, pre-remember those moments, essentially. Uh, you know, and you, and you see the birth, you see the growth, you see the death, uh, the, the illness there, and it just makes this, you know, I mean, it, like you're talk, talking about, you know, the, the, the heart-wrenching moments, the, the heart-wrenching moments mm-hmm. there. 
I, I, I think I'm going to go with those. I think I'm going to pull back from my, um, from my, um, effective montage of Jeremy Renner narrating uh, what's what's happening, how they're learning there to these <laughs> moments with the uh, the relationship with her daughter and how she is experiencing all the all the love and this joy and the sorrow. Um, you know, kind of blended together. My my favorite of those was the angsty Hannah scene. The one where she's a teenager and they're fighting about like what's the no the more science. What's, what's the more science yeah. call, right. call your dad, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I got I'm like been there. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 yeah. yeah, it was good. Yeah. Uh, well, the next award is Best Character, and I am not obeying the Sammy Oscar rules. Uh, Louise is the right answer. Um, she's just such a sympathetic character. Um, just everything she's going through. Because she's a, I mean, I don't, like I said to you before, there's something going on with her when the movie starts. And you they don't really describe it to you. She, I don't know, she's, something has happened. I don't know if it's a breakup or... Um, if there's family trauma or, or if she's just, you know, a you know, very introverted person who's isolated herself from the world. But you can you can tell that she's not a happy person. Mm-hmm. Um, and just through the movie, you see like well, things. You, know, you see how smart she is and and how like brave she is because she's the like when they go up into the ship the first time, she's petrified. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Renner's the one that pukes, but she's the one that's freaking out. Um, and you just, I mean, it's kind of got me on her side. Like she's, you know, you, you feel what you feel for, you see the sadness in her. Um, you see how how brave she is at the same time. Mm-hmm. You see how smart she is. And also that she's just, that she's got this this goodness about her. You see it with her when she's just having the flashbacks, how much she cares for Hannah. And then throughout the whole movie, you just, I, you really love the character of Louise. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go with uh, sort of the Sammy's Oscar rules, but... I'm going to break the rules a little bit. I really felt that Abbott and Costello became characters in their own right, even though they were CG or, you know, whatever, you know, a green tennis ball they were looking at on the thing. But you really, and when you find out the end, you know, Abbott's in death process. You know, it's like, oh, wow. You know, there, there was some consequence there. You know, there was mm-hmm. there was a cost to all this, and and the danger of them coming, you know, time and space away from wherever they came from, uh, to deliver this message and force us to work together. You know, because you said you know Renner it, it did discover this is one of twelve, right. you know, uh, message. So we got to get everybody else to get them together, and just that the way that they blended that and, and the the imagination of the the aliens being so non-human you know like you said you know a lot of times in sci-fi you know, let's paint somebody blue let's paint them green let's put antennas or a bump on their head you know give them an extra arm or gills or something yeah. you know these are utterly alien um so far removed from what we would be comfortable with as a species mm-hmm. you know and, and but they really make you care for them yeah, even though they gave it to us because they needed our help 3,000 years later. 3,000 years in the future. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like, here, we're going to tell you this now because we need your help later. I mean, so. I guess it's going to take us <laughs> that long to figure it out. Yeah, we're exactly. Selfish jerks. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, so, you guys, I, I'm sticking with my Oscar rules. So, I'm going with <laughs> Dr. Ian Donnelly for my best character <laughs> because you got to give Jer- Jeremy Renner some props here. You know, Donnelly is the perfect foil for Louise. Uh, the hard sciences versus the linguistics. Uh, they complement each other well in their roles for the story and not just in the relationship, just in the way they approach problems um, and how one learns from the other. Uh, plus, I mean, J- you know, Jamie kind of mentioned, you know, Renner's kind of normally an action guy. You know, we see him as Hawkeye, right? Um, so, and the thing is, this is a much more nuanced, subtle performance. And see, I, I, I disagree a little bit with Dwayne. I don't think he's a traditional leading man. I don't think he has the looks of a traditional leading man. He has a squishy face. All right. Um, but it works for him. You know, well, I, mean, I didn't, I didn't say he was traditionally <laughs> handsome. I just said he was handsome. He's... No, I think he's got a squishy face, but that's just me. You know, <laughs> He's charming. He makes up for it. There you go. That, that's, he's got a good personality. Well, some of us have a broad. <laughs> some of us have a mirror and have to have a broad definition of the word beautiful. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but but I do think Donnelly deserves best character because once again, even though 
Amy Adams carries the movie without somebody as that foil. I just, once again, don't think it flies. So. Yeah. I, th- I think he done really, really, really great. And, you know, being in a role, like you said, that we're not used to seeing. Well, um, our last of our staple awards is best quote, and uh, my note says seafone, so seafone. Okay. <laughs> now, um, I love the like you were talking about the uh, the back and forth with uh, uh, Ian and Louise, how they look at situations, and I was initially going to talk about you know how they. Were some other discussions with language and science, mm-hmm. but I think I'm going to go with with uh, Amy Adams. Uh, I think it's very close to the beginning of the movie. She says, "Now I'm not so sure. I believe in beginnings and endings. There are days that define your story beyond your life, like the day they arrived." Hmm. Well, I'm going to go to the other end of the movie because that was my runner-up. But my favorite one was from the very end of the movie. I'm already. Uh, this is this is I think the moment when the, it goes from you know the room being a little bit dusty to you know I'm a mess. Um, but she says, uh, despite knowing the journey and where it leads, I embrace it yeah. and I welcome every moment of it. Yeah. And then I just I lose it. That's okay. yeah. That's that's <laughs> one of the other right answers. Yeah. I think it, there's a couple. Yeah, that was at the top of my list. So I'm glad I had a second one. I had a backup. Uh, so, cause that one is powerful. Yeah. And I think that that's very telling about the character of Louise, you know, despite even knowing the pain, the sorrow that she's going to go through, she still embraces it and still wants the joy that's also there. You know, um, my second quote that I had actually was a little bit more of our dialogue situation that we often have. Um, but I liked it because it finally brought in Whitaker's character of Colonel Weber. Um, Louise says, let's say I taught them chess instead of English. Every conversation would be a game. Every idea expressed through opposition, victory, defeat. You see the problem? If all I ever gave you was a hammer, and Colonel Weber just says, everything's a nail. And I was like, you know, that, that sums up. You know, that, like I said, that mirror sometimes that sci-fi holds up to us. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. There's a lot of good ones in this one. It, it, it's that it, they're subtle. There's no like big flashing line, mm-hmm. like lights. There's no like big one liners or whatever, but there's a lot of really good dialogue in this yeah. movie. Agreed. See you. All right. So, uh, so I guess we're into our episode specific awards. And our first one up is best sci-fi element. Um, and for me, it's just the use of time, you know, the way time is implemented here, um, that nonlinear nature. And it's such a fantastic visualization of those theories. You know, we know what classic time travel looks like. We've seen Back to the Future, Doctor Who. They don't even need a cosmic treadmill to get back in time here, right? So <laughs> this is totally a representation that makes you stop and think. I knew you'd appreciate that one, Jamie. Uh, and like I said, this is what good SF should do. It should challenge us in, in a way that maybe we haven't seen something before. So. All right, well, mine's a little bit of a sideways answer, and it's the score of the movie itself. Because um, if you think about it, the score of this movie doesn't feel like a normal movie score. And as I was thinking about it today, and really sort of like, getting the atmosphere of the scenes, um, it doesn't even feel like recognizable music yeah. most of the time. It doesn't feel like something played on recognizable like instruments. Um, it doesn't f- sound or feel earthly. And I think that really heightens the feel of the movie, and it, it changes the way the movie feels. So it's got this weird vibe, like strange things are afoot. Um, and it changes the boundaries of what could happen in this movie, just, just by the weirdness of the score and just how unearthly it feels. It doesn't feel like our experience. It feels like anything could happen. Like strange things. Could, and when they go up in that ship, who knows what could happen. Right. Um, and I just feel like the it's a, I mean, it feels like a sci-fi score. I mean, the score itself feels like something that's alien. And yeah. I think it really helps the movie. 
you know what's it's interesting um if you look at classic doctor who and you look at what they call the incidental music just those little bits of music as scenes are changing and things like that it has that same feel to it so well not being a doctor who fan uh, that was really kind of what i had um and i'll just touch on it real quick about and that i've got a backup is you know the score is so different than your um you know, sci-fi, you can either go with the bombastic orchestral, you know, Star Wars kind of situation, or you can go this really alien, weird, uh, you know, beepy-boopy synthesizer kind of thing. But this, you know, the score is almost blended with the communications and the background noise. It's so atmospheric. It so blends mm-hmm. so well with the communication. It's subtle. And, and yeah, it's subtle. Perfect, perfect word. I uh, mean, you know, it just blends so well. But uh, I'm going to go a little bit sideways on the sci-fi element. And it's a thing that they didn't do. You know, you normally have these large ships, and they're noisy. They have this big, huge footprint. They they tear up jack when they land and take off. Uh, but these, like you said, they it's like a rock floating <laughs> a few feet off the ground. There's no windows, no doors perceptible you know really right. uh, when they're closed uh, and they and they say you know there's no emissions there's no radio cont- you know no radio uh, interference there's no radiation there's no microwaves it's just there it just exists these big silent ships and even when they're moving you know after the explosion you know they it kind of goes up uh, a half a mile they said and it's not like even the ship is making noise but it's just the disturbance of the air and and the world around it—it's almost like it's folding uh, our our um, reality around right. themselves to move. You know, you, you hear like this really ominous, odd thunderish cracking, you know, in, in the background, almost like ice breaking. And then you know the building starts shaking and, and this thing starts moving up. And you know, Forrest Whitaker says, "Why does this feel worse?" You know, mm-hmm. then them just leaving. You know, just going to go up here and hang. And then at the end of the movie, when they leave, they almost just dissolve mm-hmm. into, you know, this intradimension almost. You know, are they are they warping time around them? Are they are they traveling into that you know hyper subspace whatever? It's very very cool the way that they they looked at those ships. And and it's probably a good thing we didn't get a traditional look because that would have been the most boring worm's eye view of a ship going. Above, you know, because it'd just be flat and gray. So you don't have all of the, like you said, the lights and the, the you know, kit pieces that we think about on spaceships typically. I, I, think, I think it being not symmetrical mm-hmm. was just a brilliant thing. Brilliant. It, 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 it's it makes so it, organic, just yeah. like the heptapods, y'all. Yep. Yeah, it makes it so weird. Because yeah. everything is always like artfully done. It's you know, I mean, it's the Millennium Falcon. If it's a little oblong, it looks cool. You and, know, and they're all battleship gray with yeah, with turrets and stuff on them. Yeah, yeah but this thing is like a, a weirdly shaped rock. You might, I mean, just find somewhere. But it's a spaceship. You know, and it's right. gigantic. I mean, it, and it even it doesn't hover sideways. It hovers, you know, vertically. <laughs> I mean, it's just yeah, it's really cool. So, Jamie, aren't you proud of me? Even in a movie like this, I can still make my favorite thing a spaceship. <laughs> it's a spaceship. I know. <laughs> there was no shock on my face over here. <laughs> Well, the, the last award is the uh, – I've not hidden the ball in this at all. Um, the best kicked in the feels moment, and I'm not even going to pretend, it's the end of the movie. And it's when Louise is sort of unpacking everything, and she's explaining why she decided to have Hannah go through with everything. And, I mean, <laughs> I've seen this movie a couple of times now. I'm still just a sobbing mess by mm-hmm. the end. Um, thankfully, General Chang pulls me out a little bit. He rescues me because that – that scene feels a little extraneous, <laughs> um, and it's and it, and it ends the emotional bit of the movie. Um, but yeah, that that the whole unpacking of what this means for Louise and her future, her relationship with uh, Ian, what it's going to mean for Hannah and her life with Hannah, all that. I'm just a mess, and it's it's not as bad as Interstellar. Interstellar, I mean, I'm dehydrated by the end of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um. You know, I, I guess it, it's the same for me. I mean, that's it. I mean, it, it, it's almost like a, a softball lob in some ways, as as far as the the kicked in the fields. It's just that that relationship between Louise and Hannah, and everything that she goes through, and the way that it builds. 
you know, the way that, like you said, at the beginning, we can tell she's been through some type of emotional trauma and it starts building. And then you get the idea that, okay, that was the trauma. She lost her daughter, you know, her daughter was ill. She lost her daughter. And then, you know, the movie progresses and then you start getting those pieces that, oh, this hasn't even happened yet. And how the present was influencing the future. And, and you know, it, it just, it, it makes it meaningful, I think. And that, that really touches you. Yeah, on a first watch, it's kind of a juke move. Because yeah. you, you think, like, maybe this was the past. Until mm-hmm. she asked them. Like, you, you start wondering, like, well, hold on. Until she asks the heptopods, who is this child? Mm-hmm. Before then, it's still up in the air. This, on the first watch, you know, right. it's still like, what's going on here? You know, right. And then you realize like, this isn't her path. This isn't her, you know, anything she's experienced before. Um, but like if for a real, like, I guess a close second, or maybe it's kind of wrapped up in the whole thing, but like when they're at the lake shore and Hannah says that, you know, daddy doesn't look at me the same way anymore. Right. Yeah. And she starts unpacking that one, but that, that's a, God. that's a, that's a powerful yeah. one too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the thing is in most movies, once you, you get the twist, it's like, Oh, okay. You know, this one is, I think, like we said, is rewatchable because the twist isn't just, like you said, a juke move. It's not six cents. It's, you know, this is a meaningful science fiction twist as opposed to just a gotcha type of twist. Yeah, you only have to watch six cents twice. Mm-hmm. You watch it the first time, you get surprised, you go back and rewatch it to make sure it works. Right. And then yeah. you're good. I mean, yeah. Yeah. you're done. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, Dwayne. Yeah, you're fine. No, yeah, you're done. Yeah, you're Which, done with that. I would uh, like to watch it again just to figure out why he still goes to work, even though he's dead. <laughs> so, you know. That's true. I ain't punching the clock anymore. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, well, you know, the the relationship, you know, the kicked in the fields, the relationship with you know, Hannah and, and Louise really – and when you realize what's happening, you know, that's, that's the thing. But the part that initially just starts that waterfall, you know, the, the, the dam's holding, the dam is holding. But then, you know, when, when they're on the, the, the truck going out and she looks at Ian, she looks at Jeremy Renner and she says, if you could see your whole life, would you change anything? Mm-hmm. And that's when you realize, oh. Would I? You know, it, it, that's yeah. That's that's the that's when the faucet gets yeah. gets cranked on. You know, that's that's when the dam breaks, and uh, it's. I mean, it's just such a beautiful thought. If you could see, what would you do? You know, and and I love his response. He says, "You know, I, I believe I would say what I felt more." Uh, yeah, it's it's yeah, that's it for me. That's but it for me. There's one I, I thought somebody might mention. Um, it's when he's come to her after the whole experience and he hugs her and she says, I had forgotten what it felt like to be held by you. Yeah. And this is actually their first, their first embrace. Time. You know, it's just that, like, that's really sad, you know, um, how, how sad that is for her, mm-hmm. you know, and, and knowing that all that's still in the future and that, I don't know. That's, yeah. that, that's a moment too. Yeah, I think I think at that point I was in a fetal position. So, <laughs> so I don't, I don't, you know, that, that, that's a little shady, but yeah, I, I remember that hug and then embrace. I don't. Yeah, that that dialogue was a little shady to me, but yeah, like I said, I was probably in a fetal position sobbing. Um, <laughs> but you know, a guy who really played with time, bullet time, in the Matrix, Keanu Reeves. I'm just going to do a short little lead up here. Hopefully one day he arrives on our podcast and we can actually make the one-to-one connection. How, you know, the Keanu connection to the nerds at the round table. That would be so cool. But anyway, how does he connect to the movie Arrival, Jamie? Well, I could have went with the lame one and just said he got in a phone booth and traveled through time. So Keanu knows about time displacement. Well, he also arrived in The Day the Earth Stood Still. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um but I did find a one-to-one person in this movie. Uh, that's actually two. Forrest Whitaker was in Street Kings. But I'm not going with that one because I found a more fun one. Um, <laughs> so being a cast, casting director is over an overlooked job. It's really hard and nobody cares about it. <laughs> you, don't, you don't know anybody. You don't, you, no one knows a casting director's name. There's not one that you know. Um, but if they get it wrong, 
can ruin a movie. Um, think about John Carter. That movie's got potential, except everybody in that movie's wrong for their part. Yeah. And it ruins the movie. Um, I'm, I'm sure you can think of other ones. I think about, it almost ruined Lord of the Rings. They had to replace a guy like three weeks into shooting because um, the casting director got one of them wrong. Um, or a movie that's a, just a mediocre script, medium budget, can be lifted up by a great cast. I think that's probably the case with Arrival. I think there's a few little times you can tell, like this movie didn't have the normal sort of gigantic sci-fi budget, but the great cast lifted it. And our county connection this week is the casting director, and this lady is awesome at her job. Uh, I'm going to give you just a couple of examples where the the cast is so good. Every single person's right that she nailed it. Baby Driver. Yep. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Every single, yeah, even yeah. if some of her despicable people, Every Everybody single person in that movie well. is perfect. Even if they're not the sort of like the natural casting, right? John Hamm is unhinged, you know, gun-toting crazy person. Amazing. <laughs> Who would have thought that, though? She nailed it. Knight's Tale. This lady was the casting director for Knight's Tale. Every single person in that movie is spot-on perfect. Uh, she did the original Spider-Man. I didn't see Tobey Maguire <laughs> as Spider-Man. It works. The Usual Suspects got all those right. Uh, her name, you will you don't know it, you'll forget it, you'll never know, because <laughs> she's a casting director. Francine Meisler was the casting director on Arrival. But long before that, she was the casting associate, this is early in her career, on Feeling Minnesota, starring our beloved Keanu. Francine Meisler is this week's Keanu. <gasps> Another well-cast movie. There's a bunch. I mean, I just those are the ones that we all knew. I guess she did the Midnight Special too, which is another great one. But there's there's like her. I mean, it's like a wow. it's amazing. Going, to, I mean, I honestly I would go look at it if I were you guys. Her list of credits, it's just a it's a one knockout after another. She's great at her job. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. She should be in the Hall of Fame for this position. Nobody cares about. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I'm so glad that the we had people like that to cast those great movies and especially this great movie arrival. And you know, with with my cast of characters here in the room, uh, looking around, uh, we truly hope that you guys enjoyed this movie as much as we've gushed and and showered our praise upon it. But I think we've got another great movie coming up. Jamie, you picked us a wonderful tale. Why don't you tell us what uh, that is? Next week we're watching my favorite Pixar movie. Um, it, was, it was on the short list, which I had a big short list for our Mount Rushmore episode. <laughs> it was in the top 25. <laughs> um, but it's The Incredibles. I love The Incredibles. Speaking of a great cast, it's a voice talent. I mean, everybody's right for their part. Extraordinary. Um, but it's a great movie. Um, and it is one of those early Pixar movies that, I mean, just continued. I mean, just home run after home run. And and it's one of those sneaky, like, this is the best Fantastic Four movie <laughs> that's ever been made. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I was wanting to, to draw that. Uh, if you didn't, you know, uh, I'm so glad we're getting this movie. Uh, like I said, it's the best Fantastic Four movie they've made so far. We've already reviewed the best X Men movie that they've had so far, Scott Ha. <laughs> <laughs> now, Incredibles is Brad Bird, correct? Yeah, so, Brad this Bird. will be our second Brad Bird animated. Yeah, Iron right. Giant. Iron Giant. Yeah. Iron Giant so. And he, this was the, I think it was the first time that Pixar had a problem and hired somebody outside to come in and rescue them. Because Brad Bird wasn't originally supposed to work on this movie. Okay. Um, I think he was working on something down the road. And they're like, um, we can't fix this movie. <laughs> So Bradbird came to the rescue and made this amazing. He was the superhero behind the scenes for nice. the Incredibles. Well, nice. he really was the superhero behind the scenes because he also plays Edna, the designer of the superhero <laughs> costumes. If if you've uh, seen that movie, he plays Edna Mode. Yeah. Uh, so. No caps. No caps. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, so yeah, check that out, uh, guys. Uh, I'm sure it's on Disney Plus. If you if you have it, I, I didn't even look to see if it was anywhere else, uh, Disney Plus, or better be on your shelf. But until we come back to review The Incredibles, Jamie, we're gonna make sure we know where our super suits are as we keep it nerdy. <laughs> <laughs>